Right now, highly pathogenic avian influenza continues to endanger a great many birds. It almost certainly originated in the overcrowded conditions of domestic poultry operations. But as with COVID, the critical issue, however Pandora's box got opened, is how to limit its spread and protect the birds we love. This strain of bird flu lives up to its highly pathogenic moniker. Epidemiologists consider it to be the deadliest and most infectious bird flu ever to strike North America. Birds who develop it virtually all die in short order. Most flu viruses die in cold temperatures, but some new research indicates this strain can survive in cold Minnesota lake water with no host bird during winter. Heartbreakingly and frustratingly, a vaccine for bird flu exists, but is not yet approved for use in the U.S., and the timeline for approval and availability is unknown. Bird flu spreads exceedingly rapidly through waterfowl and shorebirds who feed and associate in tight groups with no concept of social distancing. Birds of prey and vultures and condors are also terribly vulnerable because they are so adept at finding birds slowed down or killed by injury or disease. Minnesota is the epicenter of confirmed cases with more wild birds known to have been killed by bird flu than any other state, but this is almost certainly just because Minnesota has tested more individual carcasses than other states. Some states have had much larger die-off episodes, such as turns in Wisconsin and snow geese in Washington but only individually tested carcasses are officially counted. Unlike when West Nile virus first appeared, when we were encouraged to bring dead birds somewhere near to be necropsied, now we're simply asked to report dead birds to our state's wildlife agency, and they do not want the carcasses. To learn if any backyard bird deaths are due to bird flu, we have to find a testing facility and pay for the expensive testing ourselves. So far, most testing has been done on birds of economic value to hunters or on birds of prey or condors treated at wildlife clinics. And to protect the birds they're caring for, few can accept sick or dead birds right now. Birds of prey and waterfowl are large enough that at least some of their carcasses are noticed by people, but songbird and hummingbird carcasses are much more difficult to detect, and before they die, small hawks or falcons often grab them before we even notice they're sick. So the lack of data makes some complacent that we don't need to worry about songbirds. Agencies and organizations are telling people we can continue to feed backyard birds without worry, but that's simplistic, especially when it's so difficult and even impossible in most places to get sick or dead backyard birds tested. I strongly recommend that people close feeding stations anywhere near poultry farms or where ducks gather, and to not feed ducks anywhere right now. Birds drink right where they're bathing, so bird baths are worse than feeders for disease transmission. I won't be starting up any of my bird baths this spring. 
and regardless of whether we're feeding a handful of birds or flocks of them, it's more critical than ever to close feeding stations entirely at any sign of a sick bird. During migration, infected birds can fly to new places before they become symptomatic, exposing healthy birds. It's so cold in Duluth right now, with more snow predicted this week, that my yard is teeming with robins, juncos, fox and American tree sparrows, and even a flock of rusty blackbirds. But feeders don't so much determine how many birds will gather as where they'll gather. My daughter, who doesn't have feeders, has almost as many birds in her yard on Tisher Creek as I do. In the bad weather we're expecting again this week, migrants tend to flock even more. Because they're flocking either way, it doesn't hurt to feed backyard birds as long as the food is very fresh and we're vigilant about monitoring the birds for any sign of illness. I've been scattering a bit of millet on the ground in different places each day, so the birds here will spread out as much as possible. But I'm traveling a lot this spring, and when I'm home, I babysit at my grandson's house just about every day, so I can't monitor my feeders responsibly myself. My husband and son are helping. This whole situation makes me cosmically sad and angry that monitoring and testing for the disease and approving a vaccination that is already being used in other countries is such a low national priority here. But that's the way it is. I've posted a lot more news about bird flu in today's blog entry, which you can find at www.lauraerickson.com. I'm Laura Erickson, speaking for the birds.